how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very, very special guest today. I have Darren Chait. Darren is the co-founder of Hugo, which is a platform that brings all of your meetings, notes, and tasks together in one place. It's used by companies like Spotify, Adobe, Netflix, and Slack. He is an Aussie and is now based in San Fran. He co-founded Hugo following a shared frustration with costly crappy, soul-sucking, inefficient meetings. Those are mine because I've been through that before, not his. And they're serving over 30,000 customers and have been awarded as one of the top 10 most innovative companies in 2021 by Fast Company. Pretty sweet, man. What's up, Darren? Happy to have you on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Yeah. Well, dude, you got you got some cool stuff, man. Cool clients. You know, the, you got the Fast Company thing. So why don't we give everyone just kind of a quick revenue rundown so they understand where you're at in the stage of the journey of, of kind of the adventure that you're on at Hugo. So where are you at revenue-wise, ARR revenue range? Yeah, sure. So we've actually just started monetizing the product early last year. So early days for us um, still, but we're definitely well on our track. Uh, well, yeah, well on track there um, you know, towards single digits. So um, feeling good a year into monetization. That's fantastic, man. So your your early stage, uh, kind of past the uh, startup um, early numbers. Okay, what's your go to market strategy? Yeah, so um, it's been all self serve actually. Um, all of our growth to date has come from mainly organic channels where people are searching for content about how to run better meetings or templates, finding finding uh, stuff that we've put out there. They're signing up for Hugo for free. They're running a trial, um, and then we have a freemium model. So they're either downgrading using Hugo for free with some limited functionality, small team, and hopefully ultimately growing, um, or they're throwing in their credit card. Um, and more recently for us, as we're working with larger teams and larger accounts, we now have a sales org who can help um, close those deals for the high potential teams who are already using the product. That's fantastic, man. So product-led growth, freemium model, it sounds like. How are you getting the traffic for that? Like How, how are you getting, I guess, butts in the seats for your, uh, your, your freemium? Yeah, um, predominantly organic. We've invested very heavily in content. Um, we're doing a ton there. Um, marketplaces working. We've got 23 integrations and a lot of those marketplaces drive a lot of great qualified traffic to us. Um, and uh, we're experimenting a little bit with some paid social as well um, on the margins. Uh, but that all of that together is you know driving thousands and thousands of signups each month, um, which is great. That's fantastic, man. We're, we're going to have to dig in a little bit there. I love that you're, <laughs> you're hitting marketplaces and, and content and product-led growth is like super hot. It's like white hot right now. So it's got that, that exactly. sexy appeal to it. Um, okay. So right. how big is your team? There's 22 of us. Okay. Wow. So so small yeah. team. Um, yeah. We talked about your solution, right? I, I kind of did that in the intro. And then right now, are you bootstrapped or funded? We're funded. Okay, cool. So that's a great understanding of kind of like a, a quick backdrop. So, you know, obviously I gave a quick intro about you and where your organization's at now, but, you know, I'd love to hear just kind of like your superhero origin story of 
um, kind of how you, how you got to where you're at right now and, and take us like from your professional life to current. So we could just have some color in terms of like the journey that you took to, to, to get to where you're at. Um, and then yeah. we can dig a lot deeper from there. Sure. Definitely a windy, a windy path as, as most <laughs> founders you talk to have had. Um, I'm actually a corporate attorney by background and Australian, as you mentioned, that's my accent. Um, so I worked as a lawyer in Australia for about four years and my co-founder Josh was also an Australian based in the Bay Area now and he was working in product and we used to complain about meetings nonstop. Like it didn't make any sense that so much had changed about the way we work and I'm obviously talking pre-COVID, right? Already there was a shift to remote Teams were much more, uh, more, much flatter and decentralized and collaborative. We had a million and one SaaS tools that were powering collaboration. Slack already was prolific and so on. Um, but meetings were exactly the same. Yeah, we could hold them online via Zoom, Google Meet and the like. But if you're not in the meeting, you don't get any value from that meeting. You'd have this great discussion. And as soon as the meeting ends, it would just dissipate into thin air. Half of what we agreed, (laughs) we'd forget and have to rehash next time. Um, None of this great meeting knowledge was retained by anyone. It sort of ended up a bit in your notebook and my CRM and her Evernote account and so on. Um, So for us, we couldn't understand why there'd been so little innovation with meetings. So we actually tried to solve this in a different way. We had a bit of a prosumery mobile app, um, just focused on preparation. And while we were building that and raising money and talking to customers, um, Josh and I spent a lot of time out of the office, right? We were running around, meeting people all day, trying to learn everything we could. And this divide quickly formed between us and the rest of the team because we were hearing all of this firsthand and we had to then come back and download everything and bring everyone up to speed and along for the journey. So we built as a small, like, add-on Easter egg type feature um, on top of our mobile app, a Slack integration that would connect to your calendar and say, hey, Darren, you just met Ryan. What went down? What happened? And I could reply to this quickly in Slack. It would get stored against Ryan um, and, and any relevant companies, and it would then get shared out via relevant Slack channels for everyone else in the business to know what happened. So it was mm-hmm. like we had our whole company in every meeting. And literally, like in days, everything transformed. Having the whole business in every meeting was incredible. You had ideas for product coming out of everywhere, marketing, positioning. Everyone knew what was happening. We were all so cohesive and aligned. Um, and for us, the value of the meeting to the whole business um, quickly became obvious. Um, and that became Hugo. And of course, Andrew was saying, this is great, but all of these actions, which are bullet points, we need them as Jira tickets. And marketing was saying, what Asana and sales were saying, well, hang on, CRM is our source of truth. So we started building all these integrations to keep the rest of the stack um, in sync. Um, and that became Hugo, the meeting productivity hub for teams. Wow. Okay. So is is Slack the only kind of, it sounds like Slack's, Slack's like the, um, I don't want to say the top of the funnel because that, that, that correlates to revenue, but like, is that the number one jumping off point before it integrates or do you work with like Microsoft Teams as well or other, other kind of platforms? Yeah. So we, Slack is our most commonly used integration. Um, we do, we just released a couple of weeks ago, a Teams integration. Um, oh, cool. and there's obviously a whole world and a whole market that opens up too. Um, so that's why we, that's why we did that. Um, and, and I guess the reason is it's less of a, um, a vertical specific Slack's used by the whole company, right? Whereas Salesforce, which is our most commonly used CRM, um, followed by HubSpot is only ever going to be used by the sales team and Hugo, right. Um, offers value wall to wall for the whole business and everyone in the business is uses Slack. So it's definitely a great starting point for us from an integration standpoint. Oh yeah. I mean, Slack's huge. They're blowing up. And, and so that's, that's super, 
that's that's a lot of integrations though. That's got to be a ton of integrations when you. I mean, like you're you're touching all the functional units. Is there specialties? Um, you know, within functional groups that you focus on, or like how many kind of different integrations do you have? Yeah, no, there's sort of like five categories of integrations. Um, so that's why it's quite repeatable and, and easy. And we've got project management, um, support and ticketing, um, chat, CRM, um, and video conferencing are the main categories. Um, and then within each, they're all much the same. And as you'd expect, you know, the 20 odd integrations gives you 80% um, of the market. You know, yep. once we've got Asana, Jira, Trello, ClickUp, you've got most of the project management market done. So um, that's why we've, we've done that way. It's also a great lead gen for us that, you know, it's, we often talk about this internally, but you can tell a lot about an org by their SaaS stack. If you come to me and say, yeah, we use uh, Microsoft Office or now Office 365, um, Microsoft Project, uh, all of our actions are in an Excel doc. I can tell a lot about the type of business you are versus, you know, we're a Slack, G Suite, ClickUp, um, and Zoom shop, right? So it's uh, it really does help us, you know, attract the right types of customers as well. Mm. And so, so let's let's circle back, man, because like I think that's awesome. And so you, you did that, you created that. I love. I mean, I love you. Just like this, just kind of sucks, right? Is that, is that was that where you're at? Like, meetings kind of suck right now. Like, how, how could we just do this better? And then. Like, were you, were you creating it and building it while you still had your other job initially or like, how did that, that kind of manifest itself? Yeah. Um, we were lucky to have some angel investment earlier, right at the beginning. So we could afford to do things and live a little bit at the same time. So we went all in. Um, we decided that if this is a really big problem. Um, speed is always going to be a differentiator. And if we can just jump in and, and go for it, I also moved from Australia to the Bay area at the same time. Um, you know, we thought let's be, be in the, at the, at the epicenter of it. And particularly, you know, four years ago or so that really, you know, there's a lot to change in the world, but there was a very big difference between the ecosystems in Sydney, Australia and in San Francisco. Um, so yeah, went, went all in. I knew I didn't want to be an attorney forever and really liked the idea of solving a, a bigger problem and, creating value that's not tied to my time which is the way attorneys work right um so went all in that's fantastic man i guess like how long did it take you to develop the product yeah um it was iterative so um we definitely were a fan of not building underwater and then doing this big launch reveal 12 months later i think building in a vacuum is is a dangerous thing to do because you never no matter even if you're solving a problem of your own it's very hard to anticipate and understand um you know, real, real world um, use cases and, and value and, and head towards product market fit. Um, so we built over a few months and slowly released. I mean, initially it was basically just a Slack bot um, and then laying on some integrations and a basic web UI and that um, mobile and all of that. It's only come much, much, much later. So it's, uh, we built pretty quickly um, and that's definitely something I'd, I'd do again. This is obviously after we had a we, you know, we tried something else first in this space, um, focused on preparation. Um, once we once we had that feeling of like, this is it, look at the value it's had for us, look at the sentiment that we're seeing as we talk to people about it, we're going to get this out to the market as quick as we can. So, and you're, you mentioned at the beginning, you're a lawyer by by training, right? And is That's your right. co-founder technical or what? what's his background? Somewhat. Yeah, he's a product manager by background. So um, we're both sort of somewhat technical. He's definitely more of a product guy and he runs outside of the business. 
Um, but we're not, I mean, neither of us are, are coding or building software um, ourselves. So how did you, like, did you, did you go on like, Upwork? Did you find some offshore? Did you hire a, a, a third technical co-founder? How did you build the product then? If you if you're kind of technical, but you know what I mean, like I mean, you're a lawyer. Yeah. He's the product. I mean, product obviously has pretty good technical expertise, I'd imagine. But how did how did you actually build the product? Yeah, we we hired an, an early engineer that later became our CTO, who was bought into what we were doing and happy to, I guess, take the pay cut and, and come on board for the for the journey. Um, okay, and yeah, in some ways, yeah, a lot of I mean, I think historically people would see that as a disadvantage versus founders that can build themselves. Um, the other way, of, I, I, the other way of looking at it is you've obviously got founders who have this product vision who are freed up or have you know also have the capacity to do things. So. Um, we were able to market and talk to customers and raise money and, um, and, and, and design as Josh was doing and, and, and iterate fast. So we had, you know, three of us initially and then four, five, six, seven, eight and so on, um, all pushing in different directions at the same time. So it didn't really prove to be a disadvantage for us. Um, I think at the same time, it's an interesting time in general um, in SaaS and building software, the amount you can do now with no code. Um, you know, I built our entire site um, on Webflow, for example, and, um, there's a ton of other, you know, half our business is tied together with random zaps and, and, and API calls through no-code tools. So it's uh, it's definitely been the case that um, we've been able to build and, and add value even without the coding skills. So that's, I mean, that's a really interesting story. It's so funny because, like, I just spoke with another founder today, uh, actually head of product for Marketo, right? Used to be the head of product for Marketo, helped him grow from $2 million to 300 million, 350 million plus has a new company now that he's a CEO of. And he said that like, he sees the future going no code. Right. And, and so it's really interesting that you, you said that you put together your own website. What let's, let's shift gears, you know, like, I, I mean, you have some amazing big company names there. You have 30,000 users plus, is that what I saw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you have, Okay, so you're a lawyer. He's a product guy. You hire the engineer. How do you get thirty thousand users plus after a few years? Like, how does that happen? I know you mentioned a marketplace. I know you mentioned content. Like, how do you create a revenue stream that fast if that isn't your domains of expertise? Yeah, um, good question. Um, and there's not a great answer, to be honest. I, I think it's being focused on very small steps. Um, going from zero to 40,000 even now is not uh, is not is not something that you know there's a playbook for. I also think what worked previously doesn't work. As soon as we you hear about these great tactics <laughs> and stories, it becomes out of date. Um, so got to keep that in mind. Um, for us, it was. For, for, I mean. I think in general, we're solving a problem that's very relatable, is widely shared and is very visceral. People get so fired up. I mean, even in the intro, the way you were talking about meetings, there were words that you came up with very quickly. And I could see in your eyes that, you know, we're all, we all have this feeling, right? Um, So, you know, I feel like part therapist every time I talk to a prospect about their meetings. So um, solving a problem like that makes life a little bit easier because it's easy to get people's attention, right? And if you, if it does what it says on the box, um, you know, makes meetings more efficient, more productive, makes people enjoy meetings more or meet less, whatever it may be, um, it's a pretty compelling value proposition. So that helps, but you still need the awareness. Um, as you know, in 2022, it doesn't matter how great a product you have if people don't know about it, no one's going to buy it. So um, 
But for us, we started with a pretty traditional content marketing strategy, um, writing blog posts about these topics that we that we care about, and um, and and you know we're trying to research and figure out where we can add value. We had pretty strong views on the areas um, from our own experience and from reading and talking to people. So writing content and uh, starting to rank for these keywords um, was was really helpful and that gives you that repeatable um, flow of traffic of quali- a qualified audience every week. Um, marketplaces were great for the reasons I mentioned earlier. They exist, they don't cost you any money and they're qu- naturally qualifying. Um, you know, uh, the Asana integrations page um, naturally attracts a certain demographic of buyer and if you go there and it makes sense, if you go plus Asana for amazingly productive meetings, they're going to convert well and, and we're going to get the right sorts of people. So that was a great place. Um, and a big one for us within the realm of content is templates. Mm. So um, as we started to research and become real experts in the domain on how to run great meetings, we started preparing templates, uh, creating templates of our own. Um, here's the best way to run a sales team one-on-one. Here's how you should think about a startup all hands um you can use them in hugo um so it's great for the product experience um but it's also a great source of content because if i'm searching for how do i run a startup all hands well you're going to see our template we'll let you download it for lead capture or we will encourage you to use it in hugo because there's a ton of other benefits too um and now we've layered on a lot of like uh, user generated and um, contributed content too so not only can you go and uh um, you figure out how to run a great sprint planning. You can learn how Atlassian runs their sprint planning through, you know, one of one of their PMs have contributed a template, for example. So that's been a really strong content strategy for us, getting us uh, here as well. That's wicked smart. I love that, and it's so simple. That's why it's beautiful, right? Like, yeah. you know, like okay, <laughs> meetings suck, or how to run this meeting, and then you're like, here's a template. Boom. Oh, here's the software. Just use this. This is super easy. Like so. That's awesome. And so you, you kind of went the SEO route, it sounds like, the organic side. And then talk about the marketplace strategy. I, I'm assuming, based on what you just said right there, is like you're jumping in the marketplace for all the the integrations that you're doing, right? Is that kind of like the idea yep. or the strategy? And so it naturally, especially if you're doing the freemium model, it pulls people in. That's right. That's exactly right. And each marketplace attracts different sorts of people. Um, bigger isn't necessarily better. Um, we get more traffic from the Todoist you know, integrations page than we do from the Salesforce App Exchange, which is obviously a much more mature marketplace, um, just based on our product and their audience and so on. Um, but that's definitely table stakes. And then um, a lot of the integration partners allow us to work on things together, co-marketing. Um, you'll find a ton of blog posts on the Atlassian blog that we've written working with them. We were the first Zoom integration when they launched their marketplace and they did a bunch of co-marketing um, and press around that where check out you know these three integrations that are our first in the marketplace, one being Hugo. So it's definitely allowed us to, to leverage big brands, much bigger than us with a much bigger following um, to, to help with that early acquisition. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, I, I mean, it just makes sense. So then what's next? You mentioned like you're starting to, to integrate salespeople into the mix and grow revenue and kind of go, you know, from mid-market, up-market. So like what's your plan or what's your strategy with that? Yeah. Um, so definitely that's the plan. We're, at our core, we want to be a self-serve business and, and have that um, as the initial acquisition channel. I can't see a world in the short term where we'll be outbounding. Um we know we, we love 
you have marketing-led acquisition of people who really care about this problem and then sales are there to help the right teams be more successful um, and grow rather than shove something down their throat that they don't know if they need or not. Um, so it's a really nice motion that we're definitely pursuing. Um, at the same time, big focus for us on a brand marketing side of things. Um, we want to be a brand that's synonymous with great meetings. It's a new category, you know, meeting workflow, or meeting management software, whatever you want to be calling it. And there's obviously other players in the space too now, which is great. Um, so we want to be synonymous with that and, and own that from the thought leadership standpoint um, as well. And then product-wise, of course, uh, ultimately it's a product you use every day and only those products that are beautiful and that you love to use succeed in that space. So doubling down and continuing to grow and focus on, on products and that's features, usability, speed, platform availability, so on. Excellent, man. Yeah, I mean, like I could see, like I'm just thinking out loud here, right? Like I get why it's um, it's funny. Jason um, Lemkin posted something about this from Saster. He's just like, uh, most companies want to be product-led growth until they get to 10 million AR, and then they're like, okay, <laughs> we're the enterprise team, right? We're ready to go. Yeah. So, because I yeah. could see it like, I can see both, right? You know, people are just like, hey, this is awesome. This is easy. Let's go. But at the same time, from a leadership perspective, I could see executives or leaders of their org saying like, hey, you guys, this is what we're implementing as a team just because it makes everything easier. So, I, I mean, I could see a huge opportunity for you guys on that side of the house as well. Which, Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see it as an A or B. Um, you know, are you product-led or are you sales-led, um, an enterprise sales team? Um, you know, like another dynamic for us is, our average um, price, our, our average revenue per customer is double our average sale price because you'll sell and the team will naturally continue to expand. You invite your teammates mm. and other departments and divisions of the business start to get exposed to Hugo and see value. Um, so that's product led growth that's happening naturally, even if you've had a sales led deal, essentially. Um, so I, I think there's a nice mix um, of the two. And as I mentioned before, our lead gen is still product led too. I mean, Sales are essentially taking PQLs and and looking at the companies they're in and saying, hey, we could talk to them about you know the team at Spotify, which is thirty becoming six thousand. So it's not. Uh, I think it's a nice mix. And um, as we get larger and more resourced, um, no doubt we will move further up market just because we can support a team of five thousand on Hugo and things like yeah. that. Um, but it doesn't mean that we that lead shouldn't have come in through a team of five who came across Hugo after having a really crappy meeting. Um, looking for a solution that one night. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and, and do you, like, I, I totally see that. So like, do you, do you, have you systemized referrals, like what Dropbox or Slack has done? Not really. Um, it's, a, it's a good point and it's low hanging for us. And I've just done some interviewing and uh, a lot of the candidates actually for a particular role keep asking that it's a, a more robust referral program is definitely some low hanging fruit that would love to look at this year. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Well, we're, we're just about up on time. So let's, let's do, um, I want to do a fast fire, ask you a few questions just to kind of round things out. And so what's the favorite, your favorite book you've read over the last two years? Uh, team of teams, general Stanley McChrystal, probably been oh. the most impactful on the way I work with my team and, and, and leave. Oh, that's awesome. I, I've heard of him, but I haven't read that book yet. You love it, well, huh? Right. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite podcast or, or show to watch? <laughs> right now, I'm a big fan of the All In podcast. Um, okay. Talking, yeah, I, uh, 
Um, I don't know if you've don't know if you've heard them. Um, no, who's? I mean, I've heard da- of the podcast. Who who runs yeah, that one? David um, David Sachs, um, Jason Kalkanakis. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, a couple of others. Um, they're VCs historically, but I'm looking at uh, all all sorts of stuff. Um, great. You know, you know, you know when you listen to a pod and you feel like your old buddies that you're having a great conversation, even though you've <laughs> obviously never met any of them. That's the that's the vibe I get. So it's, it's awesome, a great one. We're checking out. That's awesome. Um, who's your favorite CEO or founder you follow? Who? <laughs> can give you lots of examples for different reasons. Um, Aaron, you can give a few, Aaron right? Levy, you can give a few. Yeah, Aaron Levy, the CEO of Box, I think is. Um, I, I'm I'm a big fan of his. I, I think in a in a market that is really hard to differentiate at a time that obviously Dropbox were were absolutely you know they're there and 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 succeeding box has built themselves a great business and he's also hilarious and has a great personality on social and has made him you know position himself as a very approachable relatable ceo so i think he's a slightly less common one rather than going for the obvious fang ceos instead of like elon musk is what one yeah, exactly. as you can imagine exactly. or steve jobs right even though like yeah He's, he's brought up a lot as well. Um, okay, and then what's your favorite online tool besides Ooh. your solution? Besides yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Uh, right. um, I have to say Loom. Um, are you familiar with Loom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, Loom video recording app um, sits in your browser and you can record your screen and your, and or your camera. Um, we use it a ton. We're big fans of asynchronous collaboration um, and the right mix of sync and async and that's how we think about meetings and Loom definitely keeps us keeps us uh in check there um with a great async culture awesome well darren we're we're up on time but um wanted to a thank you for being on the show and b you you know where can people find out more about you or hugo so they don't have soul crushing meetings (laughs) (laughs) um yeah we'll check out hugo.team T-E-A-M. Um, that's a website and you can sign up free and have a play and look at the impact that we can that we can have on your meetings. Um, and on social, um, on Twitter, Darren Chait or LinkedIn, very happy to continue the conversation with anyone. Excellent, man. Well, happy to have you on the show. It was awesome. Well, I course. loved your approach. Totally different, man. With I love the marketplace, SEO play. Really clever how you guys did things to grow revenue. So I'll be rooting for you. Love your cause as well. So thanks for being on, Darren. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.